Hi, I'm Jim Stroud, and this is my podcast brought to you in part by Proactive Talent, a recruiting and employer brand consulting firm that will revolutionize the way you attract and hire top talent. This is a special report, coronavirus and the new normal for recruiting. The coronavirus has had a profound effect on the world of work. In some ways, the changes are immediately apparent and in others, only time will tell. And yet, this is not the first time a global pandemic has afflicted us. What can we learn from previous pandemics and what should we expect to happen in the near future? Well, I look back at the history of global pandemics and make a few predictions concerning the world of work in general and recruiting specifically, and it all begins after this. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage, and what Practive Talent does for our clients is we help centralize so you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is a recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practive Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always going to use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Have you heard of the Black Death, also known as the Great Bubonic Plague? Well, it was probably the most, well, (laughs) not probably, it was the most destructive pandemic in history killing an estimated 200 million people worldwide in the 14th century. Now, uh, historians have speculated that the Black Death killed somewhere between 30 to 60 percent of Europe's population and reduced the overall world population from 475 million people on the planet (laughs) to about uh, 350, 370 million people somewhere in there. It took 200 years for Europe's population to recover to its previous level, and some regions, uh, like uh, Florence, Italy, uh, only recovered by the 19th century. So, how did that affect the world of work? Well, for one thing, 
With such a large population decline from the plague, wages soared in response to a labor shortage. And that was just one repercussion. Uh, Listen to this quote from The Guardian that gives a, a bit more insight. Probably the most destructive pandemic in history, killing an estimated 75 million to 200 million people worldwide in the 14th century. It altered the course of European history and in the end, world history, says Professor Tony Barnett at the London School of Economics. Some have argued that it established what we call modern capitalism. The significant loss of manpower not only depressed the economy of the time, but forced people to change the way they worked. Before the plague, the main source of income in East Anglia, for example, was growing crops. But the Black Death claimed so many lives in the region that survivors turned to rearing sheep for wool as that required much less manpower. This lack of manpower also brought new equipment, for example, Prior to the plague, men used spears to catch fish, but those who survived had to invent new devices to catch the same amount of fish with less manpower. That is how big fishing nets came into being. Many believe that the Black Death ended feudalism, the system of service in return for a grant of land, which burdened the peasant with many obligations to his lord. Since so many peasants and artisans died of the plague, those who survived became more particular about where they worked. Another pandemic that perhaps you've heard about recently is the Spanish flu of 1918. Lasting from January 1918 through December 1920, it infected 500 million people, about a quarter of the world's population at the time. The death toll is estimated to have been anywhere from 17 to 50 million and possibly as high as 100 million, making it one of the deadliest epidemics in human history. In the USA, in areas where the death rates were low, so many adults were incapacitated that much of everyday life was hampered. Some communities closed all stores or required customers to leave orders outside of the store. There were reports that healthcare workers could not tend to the sick, nor the gravediggers bury the dead because they were too ill. Mass graves were dug by steam shovel and bodies buried without coffins in many places. For deeper insight, listen to this quote from the National Interest, which compared the Spanish flu to the coronavirus. The immediate economic consequences of 1918 stemmed from the panic surrounding the spread of the flu. Large U.S. cities, including New York and Philadelphia, were essentially temporarily shut down as their populations became bedridden. As in Italy now, businesses were closed, sporting events canceled, and private gatherings, including funerals, banned to stem the spread of the disease. The economic consequences of the pandemic included labor shortages and wage increases, but also the increased use of social security systems. 
Economic historians do not agree on a headline figure for lost GDP because the effects of the flu are hard to disentangle from the compounding impact of the First World War. The long-term consequences proved horrific. A surprisingly high proportion of adult health and cognitive ability is determined before we are even born. Research has shown the flu-borne cohort achieved lower educational attainment by adulthood, experienced increased rates of physical disability, enjoyed lower lifetime income, and a lower socioeconomic status than those born immediately before and after the flu pandemic. Without a doubt, the Spanish flu was devastating. However, if there was a silver lining to be found in all that tragedy, it is with the women's rights movement that prospered during that age. The Spanish flu disproportionately affected young men, which in combination with World War I, created a shortage of labor. Listen to this quote from the conversation, which went into detail on this phenomenon. worker shortage caused by the flu and World War I opened access to the labor market for women and in unprecedented numbers, they took jobs outside the home. Following the conclusion of the war, the number of women in the workforce was 25% higher than it had been previously and by 1920, women made up 21% of all gainfully employed individuals in the country. While this gender boost is often ascribed to World War I alone, women's increased presence in the workforce would have been far less pronounced without the 1918 flu. Women began to move into employment roles that were previously held exclusively by men, many of which were in manufacturing. They were even able to enter fields from which they had been banned, such as the uh, textile industry. As women filled what had been typically uh, male workplace roles, they also began to demand equal pay for their work. Gaining greater economic power, women began more actively advocating for various women's rights, including, but not limited to, the right to vote. Okay. A quick review on the major points, or rather the things that caught my attention the most because I can see history repeating itself before my eyes. As a result of past global pandemics, the way people worked had to change. I see that today with more people working remotely than ever before. As a result of past global pandemics, disenfranchised groups become more influential and begin to flex their influence. Now, in the past, the disenfranchised group was women. Nowadays, that might be the disabled. I mean, think about it. Now that so many people are forced to work from home, companies are more likely to uh, be open to hiring this demographic. And the disabled are now in a position to be more competitive as a result, since they can work from home where presumably they have the tools they need to be productive at work. As a result of past global pandemics, uh, new equipment and processes had to be invented to offset the labor shortage. And I see a lot of that already uh, being represented in the way these uh, HR tech tools 
uh, are out there now. A lot of them purporting to have artificial intelligence that can interview and screen candidates uh, without bias. Uh, but that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast in itself. As a result of past global pandemics, salaries increase for those with certain skills. I think that will certainly happen for industries that are booming despite the coronavirus slowdown, but more, more on that later. As a result of past global pandemics, businesses involving large gatherings were closed and layoffs occurred. Uh, you certainly saw that in past pandemics, and it's not hard to find examples of that today. Just search on DuckDuckGo, my favorite search engine, for coronavirus layoffs, and you will find plenty of search results on that matter, unfortunately. And then finally, as a result of past global pandemics, those who were sick attained uh, less education, more physical dis disabilities, and lower income over their lifetime, which contributed to a severe drain on social security systems. Now, I'm not sure about this now, uh, as it relates to the coronavirus, because people uh, who get it uh, and recover tend not to be sick for an extended period of time, like they were with the Spanish flu and the Black plague and so forth. So uh, jury's out on this one, on that one rather, in terms of how to expect that with coronavirus victims. Uh, you know, uh, even as I examine these past pandemics and their effect on the world of work, I do see some unique consequences with the coronavirus that are not evident in the Black Death, the Spanish flu, or other pandemics I didn't mention, like uh, the Zika virus, Ebola, and the swine flu, for that matter. I'll point out those uh, unique consequences and the somewhat uh, positive effect, if you can call it that, to the U.S. economy and maybe even the world uh, after this message. Employer brand professionals know that doing great work involves doing big, high-level strategic thinking and getting your hands dirty. If that sounds like the kind of work you want to do, come listen to the Talent Cast. It's the world's most highly caffeinated employer brand podcast. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We, we out. out. This podcast is sponsored by Superpass, the go-to software for out-the-box content websites and mobile apps. With the Superpass platform, you can create your own branded website and native mobile apps to host your digital content, subscribers, and more. Do you have quality content that you want to share with the world in a beautiful and intuitive site? If so, then Superpass can provide the tech solution for you. Hold all your digital content in one place, your brand, your way. Check out superpass.app. That's S-U-P-A-P-A-S-S dot app. The difference the coronavirus brings to the world stage that previous pandemics did not is the long-term disruption of global supply chains. China is a major manufacturing hub that the world depends on. In so many words, if dependency on China is not appended, the ramifications to business overall will echo worldwide for a very long time. Now, we got a glimpse of this reality with the SARS epidemic of 2002, which also emerged out of China. The New York Times compared SARS to the coronavirus and made several observations in a recent article. Here are a few notable quotes.
If customers cannot buy what they need from China, Chinese factories could, in turn, slash orders for imported machinery, components, and raw material. Computer chips from Taiwan and South Korea, copper from Chile and Canada, factory equipment from Germany and Italy. This could potentially disrupt global supply chains, said Rohini Malkani, an economist at DBRS Morningstar, a global credit rating business. It's too early to say how long it's going to last. Similar worries accompanied the outbreak of SARS in 2002 and 2003 when the virus emerged in the southern province of Guangdong before spreading across China and around the world, killing nearly 800 people in at least 17 countries. China had just joined the World Trade Organization, gaining access to markets around the globe. It was harnessing its seemingly limitless supply of low-wage workers to produce cheap consumer goods. Its economy centered on exports, its consumer market remained in its infancy. In the years since, China's annual economic output had multiplied more than eightfold to nearly $14 trillion, up from $1.7 trillion, according to the World Bank. Its share of global trade has more than doubled to 12.8% last year from 5.3% in 2003, according to Oxford Economics. If you run out of widgets that are essential to production processes, and all those widgets come from China, then it may be well that your production lines grind to a halt, said Ben May, global economist at Oxford Economics in London. These problems are likely to be popping up all over the world. This became a problem in the aftermath of the 2011 earthquake and tsunami in Japan, which devastated manufacturers. Many companies assumed that they were buying parts from a diverse range of suppliers, protecting them from shortages, only to realize that critical components were produced by single plants. I think, if nothing else, this coronavirus has been a wake-up call on how much the world depends on China for its economy. Let me rattle off a few stats according to Forbes magazine. China is basically 18% of Brazil's exports and is its single biggest foreign market for made in Brazil. China is responsible for 25% of Korean exports and roughly 11% of its GDP. Iron ore has made China account for 34% of Australian exports worldwide. China accounts for 6% of Australian GDP. I think where possible, countries will begin to move away from China and produce more of their essential items at home. For the USA, that means more manufacturing of generic drugs as we get more than 90% of our generic drugs from China. And therein is one silver lining. I anticipate a boom in manufacturing jobs as more companies respond to President Trump's tax incentives, which so far have brought in a trillion dollars in overseas profits to the USA, according to Bloomberg.
another silver lining to the coronavirus pandemic, at least here in the United States, can be found in the boom to home delivery services, at least if you look at companies like Amazon. Now, Amazon recently announced that they were hiring 100,000 new workers in the United States. Uh, the hiring spree, of course, to cope with the unprecedented surge in demand for online deliveries uh, during the outbreak. And I have to wonder, if they are hiring like that, then I imagine the same would ring true for companies like Frailer Express, UPS, and I guess the U.S. Postal Service for that matter. You know, I can also see that for the drone market because people can use drones to make deliveries as well. In fact, uh, Valuate Reports, which offers an extensive collection of market research reports, said recently that the global market size of drone software and solutions was, uh, let's see, it was 726 million in 2019 and growing at a compound annual growth rate of 38.89% between now and 2026. That's a lot of growth. And also, uh, speaking of growth, <laughs> according to a report published by Allied Market Research, the global video streaming market, <laughs> your Netflixes and your Hulus and so forth, is projected to grow from $38.56 billion, uh, at least as it was in 2018, upwards to $149.34 billion by 2026. <laughs> and I suspect that with so much of us being quarantined, that those projections will be, <laughs> will be surpassed probably this year alone, the way things are going. This means a few things to me. Depending on how long this pandemic lasts, companies will have to pivot in some way to appeal to customers who are spending more time at home. Those who can do that are able to retain their workforce and, and possibly grow in these uncertain times. And I think it means also that freelance recruiters will shift their focus towards clients that serve in the markets I mentioned and others that are booming while others are contracting. I think that since some companies are still having their hiring sprees, that recruiters will stay busy now and for the foreseeable future. As such, some recruitment processes will have to change as we ride out this pandemic. How will those recruitment processes change? Well, I have a few suggestions and I will share them with you after this. Hey, what's the best platform out there to help automate initial phone screens? I found exactly one result. It's First Screen Through Talent at www.firstscreenme.com. Great, but the calls need to be self-served by candidates when they're available. Correct. It's True Talent at www.firstscreenme.com. And I need to be able to record my own voice. Uh, are my speakers broken? It's still True Talent at firstscreenme.com. Right, but it needs to do reference checks too. You're starting to really irritate me. It's still true talent. And of course, I have to be able to listen to the original audio as well. Yes, yes. Still true talent. And it needs to be able to do high-level analysis on all my candidates as well. Okay, that's it. I can't take any more. Shutting down. With tens of thousands of completed calls and years of research to back it up, First Screen is the award-winning pre-qualification platform to quickly check candidates' soft and hard skills as well as references. See a demo of true talent on our website at www.firstscreenme.com today. Find your true talent with First Screen. Okay, one way you could 
or should adjust your recruitment process during this pandemic is to be more sensitive when making your initial contact with a candidate. I suggest taking a moment to acknowledge the obvious while being careful not to appear callous. Uh, for example, maybe say something like this in an email or when you are calling someone on the phone. Hey, you, how are you feeling? So much is going on in these uncertain times that I know it's easy to feel overwhelmed and more than a little nervous about the future. I truly hope that you and yours are coping with all the crazy brought on by the coronavirus. Here at Company X, we appreciate our employees and are keeping their safety top of mind. This is why we have enacted a work from home policy. We've also put some of our business services on hold as we sort things out. It is a short-term solution to what we hope will be a short-term problem. All that being said, life goes on and so does business. Your work history was brought to our attention recently and we were impressed by what we saw. So much so, we wanted to reach out and schedule some quality time to get to know you as a candidate. We are using a video interviewing platform to conduct all of our interviews these days. If you are interested in speaking with us about exposition, I will be more than happy to add you to my calendar and to forward instructions on how to connect virtually. Thank you for your time and consideration. It is appreciated. Sincerely, me, the recruiter. And while I'm on the topic of video interviewing, recruiters should help candidates out by advising them on the dress code you are expecting. Unless you're cool with pajamas or worse. <laughs> it happens. Uh, let the candidate know how long it will take to uh, complete the video interview and where they should do it, like an acquired room without distracting clutter in the background. And while I may not say this aloud to the candidate, I would say to the recruiter to uh, excuse things like dogs barking in the background, kids walking in, and other distractions that are all too commonplace in today's virtual workplace. Finally, um, have plenty of examples of how your company has embraced remote work culture. For example, uh, at Proactive Talent, where I work, we have virtual lunches where we meet online and engage in small talk, fan about our issues, and bond as a team. We also, at random, get surprises in the mail. Quite recently, uh, boxes full of snacks have managed to find their way to the doorsteps of several of our employees. I've also heard of someone dressed like a Disney princess leading a virtual sing-along with the children of several of our workers. It is things like that which attracts passive candidates, keeps people loyal to your company, and championing your brand online. Oh, by the way, if you're in need of free advice related to talent attraction or hiring practices, make an appointment with the CEO of Proactive Talent, Will Staney. He is freely sharing his advice for a limited time as a way to help businesses cope with the coronavirus outbreak. You can connect with him over at ProactiveTalent.com. Click the Contact Us link at the top of the page and tell him Jim Strauss sent you.
If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. You can leave a comment concerning this podcast on my website at www.jimstroud.com. In addition to finding source material and related information for this podcast episode, you'll find other goodies that I hope will make you smile. And if you have not already, please subscribe to my website. Your continued support keeps this podcast train chugging down the track. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.